Probably Noah says he hates it because it was a good movie and he doesn't like it when things are good. Oh, challenge. Um, yeah, so we're doing a completely spoiler discussion of The Last Jedi because, I don't know, we really didn't feel like having like a general conversation where we couldn't say all the stuff we really wanted to say and then putting that off to the end. So we're just going to do it all at once. First spoiler, not The Last Jedi. well no but the as we know from the international posters the term jedi is meant to be interpreted plurally in the title so yeah no i I didn't know there was a difference in the international spelling well no but if like jedi in english can be mean a single jedi or a group of jedi but in the international spellings they would refer to it as like Los Jedi, which is apparently plural according to the internet article I read. No. So. So, so more like the last of the Jedi. Something like that, yeah. The, 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 the last Jedi. Um. Wow. Well. Uh, so, no, I, I don't, it's not a big, like, uh, Thing. I mean, Ray ends up on the island, talking to Luke, the trainer, he's saying no, and then he says yes. And the Republic, or the, what are they called now? The New Order? First yeah. First order. Uh, I, I think the first thing that should be stated, even before we do a plot synopsis, mm-hmm. uh, it's not just them destroying a super weapon. Yeah. So, so that's. That's a step in the right direction. Yeah. To be Brian, you're getting that again. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. <laughs> you like you, you, keep, you keep like starting starting a sentence and then like you get quieter for half a second and then you're gone. <laughs> um, I said to be fair, Empire Strikes Back wasn't about destroying a super weapon either. Yeah, it goes super weapon, no super weapon, super weapon. That's yeah. the formula. Yeah. I don't know how big that fucking planet is going to have to be <laughs> in the next movie. Uh, yeah, then the First Order is chasing down the rebels to finally destroy them all because this particular group, their numbers is lowered definitely by a... Uh, Fight they have in the opening scene that Poe Dameron seems to uh, pretty intent on taking down this dreadnought, and they lose most of their ships in that battle. Um, and then someone uh, that I saw it with was actually complaining that it seems like a chunk of the movie is just the the rebel ships moving far, en- just traveling far enough ahead of the star destroyers to not be destroyed, and. That's just what happens the entire movie. Well, technically, yeah. I, I I would say that's a that's a third of the plot of the movie. Yeah, which, there's there, there's three stories going on simultaneously, and that is one of them. Yeah. Uh, to which then I pointed out that that was exactly kind of what Fury Road was about, and Fury Road was awesome. So, 
ILM. Yeah. In the interest of fairness, in Fury Road, they eventually turned around and went back the other way. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Finn and a new character named Rose infiltrate a casino to find a hacker so they can get a port of the dreadnought and stop the tracker. Uh, slicer, sir. There are slicers in Star Wars. Whatever. Um, and. Uh, oh, then, yeah, Ray and Luke and her uh, worst connection with uh, Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo and Ben's uh, tumultuous relationship with Snoke. Yeah. Which uh, has a timely end. We get to see uh, Snoke using his uh, force powers, which he appears to be uh, a pretty big swing at D at. <laughs> he's pretty. He's pretty badass and pretty powerful once he starts using the, his powers. And I'm like, I was really impressed. Yeah, he's good because yeah. I mean, I don't know. We can just jump around, but we ultimately find out that he's the whole reason that. Uh, Kylo Ren and Rey have been able to talk to each other or have been linked through the Force because he specifically was trying to draw like all this stuff out. Um, thus proving he is a badass when it comes to the Force. Now, what did you guys think of that idea of them being able to like see each other over long distances and communicate through the Force? Because that's kind of new. That's something that was explored in, like, the games in the extended universe. Okay. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was neat, yeah. It's it's definitely a different use of the Force than we've seen in the past, but that is... Mm-hmm. Different movies have introduced different Force powers at different times. So I didn't have a problem with it. It was, it was a good device for uh, expanding Kylo Ren's character a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, From just obnoxious, tamper-throwing douchebag to uh, obnoxious, tamper-throwing douchebag who may have some legitimate grievances. <laughs> well, some legitimate grievances, and also they delved into the fact that he's being torn, and he's sort of making this choice to go to the dark side, but he is still constantly being pulled back towards the light, which is sort of they touched on that in Force Awakens, and I've, I really liked that idea in Force Awakens. It's really delved into a lot more here. Mm. And I, like, I really, I'll, I'll just say, I really liked Kylo Ren in this movie, and I'm really glad they had that actor in there because I think he's really good at what he does, which is portraying this like torn character who's you're never quite sure what he's going to do, and when he does certain things, I'm always like, yeah, that's. Everything he does is consistent with his character, but I don't see it coming because the character is sort of unpredictable. Yeah. Kylo Ren, 1,000% better in this movie than he was in Force Awakens. I will say he's better. I didn't have as big of a problem with him in Force Awakens that a lot of people did. Um, Neither did I. They kept calling him a crybaby, and I'm like, I think it's less crybaby and just more psychotic, like, he would, yeah, he would throw temper tantrums, but he would destroy the shit out of stuff. Yeah, but he he may be like psychotic and destructive and stuff, 
but he still came off as a whiny little bitch. I am one of those people, like, and there is nothing less terrifying than an enemy that's a whiny little bitch. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm with Brian on this one. I didn't have a problem with him in the last movie. I liked his temper tantrums. I thought they were... Yeah. I mean, the whole concept of the dark side is that it's built on anger and rage. So the idea that he can't control his emotions and trashes things when he gets upset seems consistent with that. I mean, it, it is a temper tantrum. It is just an, a blind expression of rage, regardless of the fact that you're destroying your own property. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Regardless, regardless, there is less less yeah. of that in this. I was going to say in this one, he still. What I was going to say is there is a slight difference in in this one. He still throws those, like he still has those outbursts. But I feel like, uh, other than at the beginning of the movie, whenever he smashes the helmet, that most of them seem to be a lot more focused. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like it's him channeling anger outwardly instead of going, this is bullshit. I'm going to stab this console with a lightsaber. <laughs> Stupid console. Uh, but then, conceptually, I wanted a PS3. Conceptually, I think the character is growing through his interactions with Ray. I think the, and I think the film does a really good idea job of tricking the audience into thinking that he's growing towards the light side when really he's growing towards this new version of the dark side that he's created in his mind where he brings her over and they sort of run it which it is the vader idea it is still him trying to do what his grandfather never did which is find a partner kill the supreme leader or emperor or whatever's in charge and take over that role yeah, which is, I mean, ultimately, that's what Vader wanted to do, was kill the Emperor and have Luke rule at his side. So this guy is still sort of following in his grandfather's footsteps, but he, he's now taken a Ray on as his... Uh, what he sees as his potential partner. And I, I think it's great that he, this whole time, seems to think she's in on it. And she, she thinks he's bringing, she's bringing him over to the light side, and when the conflict finally comes up, and they're both just like, oh shit, we're not on the same page at all. Like, we're, there's been a lot of miscommunication through our force community, our force talking, and uh, we should probably not be partners after all. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that aspect. I was kind of... Uh, the trailer seemed kind of like, she's going to try to bring him to the light side, he's going to try to bring her to the dark side, and I was like, eh, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I need to waste time on that. But I think the payoff was definitely worth it. Where it seems like there is progress, but it's like, no, he's been working towards a completely different goal than you thought he was the entire time. And I like that they like they kind of recreated the scenario from um, from Jedi, where she kind of comes in and turns herself over and is brought before the supreme leader with all seemingly like it's all like going to play out the same way, but then it just completely. And, and many of the, like, the facts are the same with with Ren taking out Stoke, uh, the same way Vader took out the Emperor and stuff like that. But it's it's all just turned on its head in its own unique way. And I, I really felt like they were like they were paying homage to the original films but still doing something that was unique and original. I, I did like the fact that the entire plot of this movie does a really fucking good job of 
not doing what you expect to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But being able to do that over and over again, too, because it happens time after time after time, you go, okay, well, this is going to happen. And they're like, no, this happens. And and being able to do it like that, but not come off as uh, like a Lynchian fucking with you kind of way. Yeah. No, yeah, it, where it felt like a logical no progression. Reason. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. I guess it, I guess we're still so so. That's the first and second parts of the plot. No. <laughs> um, were you guys surprised by the death of Snoke? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So was I. I was like, I figured he was going to be the big bag, the big bad throughout it. Yeah, and I, I guess I anticipated possibly him dying next episode. Yeah. But the idea of Kylo Ren moving up into that that number one slot kind of taking over that top position was surprised me. Yeah. It, and that was in the, uh, when we, we were talking before we recorded the last podcast, I said that there's like a handful of things that I fully expected this movie would deal with those things and they never touched on it. No. <laughs> one of them was who the fuck is Snoke? Yeah, Snoke is Snoke, and that's all that matters. Yeah, Snoke, Snoke is Snoke. He's a super powerful, uh, a dark Jedi, if not a Sith. Although they never clearly say one way or the other, mm. it, and they never, you don't get any fucking explanation of who the fuck Snoke is. No. Which, and and then they kill him. So now they they've taken away all incentive to ever tell you who the fuck Snoke was. Well, that doesn't mean they're not going to explain it in the next movie. Really? You th- I See, I can't imagine them wasting screen time to give you something as trivial as who is Snoke after he's dead. Yeah. I, I imagine the, uh, the novelized version of the film is going to fill you in. Yeah, because it always seemed like J.J. Abrams was leading up like these mysteries in episode 7. Uh, who is Snoke? Snoke it feels like it's some character that we already know that has, you know, taken on a different, uh, different name and different whatever. Um, but that you know, we're not going to reveal who that is just yet. And then it turns he's, out, no, he's just Snoke, and we just killed him in the second movie. So. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Snoke. He's super powerful. He's badass, and he's also dead. <laughs> yeah, which I really, I, did- I really like. I really liked his death scene too. I thought it was really clever the way uh, Kylo Ren outsmarted him. Like he's he, Snoke has just explained to them that he's so much smarter and brighter than them, and he knows every little thing they're going to do. So for Kylo Ren basically to manipulate the two lightsabers simultaneously so that Snoke wouldn't realize that he was about to be taken out, I thought was really clever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did an awesome job with that. And then the ensuing uh, back-to-back lightsaber fight with all of the uh, Royal Guards I thought was awesome. Yeah. Once again, I'll, I'll say this a thousand times. the What they're doing with lightsaber fighting, making it more developed than the original uh, three movies, but not going fucking Force Ninja with it, because I, I hate fucking Force Ninjas. <laughs> It's so much better. The the fights are so much more interesting. They're easier to follow. They're not 
silly like a, a lot of the the prequel movies the the fights don't come off as interesting they just come off as oh look more spinny jedi bullshit like i have no idea what's going on they look like ginsu blenders flying <laughs> <with> each other <laughs> um when the big mystery going around who snoke was i did enjoy the meme that uh Snoke was actually the stormtrooper that hit his head on the blast door in the very first Star Wars movie. Yeah, that's pretty good. Absolutely. My favorite Star Wars meme that's ever gone on on the internet, I think, is that one. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's genius. Um, <clears throat> do you want to talk about the other big mystery that, uh, that they uh, decided uh, we're not going to do anything with and just throw away? Now, anyway. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go right into that. Um, turns out Ray's parents are nobody. Which yep. fucking awesome. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I think it I'd also I love that they, they could be nobody, that she's just a new character that we're just bringing in and there's no reason to believe that it's all connected because it plays into the theme that Luke gets into about how if the Jedi die, it's not like the light side goes away that the light side exists and the Jedi are just this order. And I like that idea too, that we take that further and say like, look, it doesn't matter if Ray is a Skywalker or a Kenobi or whatever, like she can still be powerful in the force. There can still be other people born tomorrow that are powerful in the force that are not connected to this main storyline in any way. Mm -hmm. And Luke is very adamant throughout much of this film that like, he's not that special. And he doesn't like the idea that he's been mythologized into something more important than he is. And I kind of like this idea that, yeah, like we could now theoretically have a hundred years of Star Wars movies where just new characters are born who happen to be strong in the Force for whatever reason that is not midichlorians. And it's it's okay. And I I, I love that idea. I think yeah. it's great that because then we can just always have new heroes and new villains arising at any given time. Yeah, which is what I was super excited about. I'm like, good. It's not all too conveniently connected to this one family's bloodline. And now, I mean, technically, we only have one Skywalker left with Kylo Ren. I I do like the idea that I feel like this movie is almost a spit in the face of the prequels a little bit in, in the thematic thing that they did where the the prequels were like okay well you know this this is the story of the solo family that's what it is it's it's like anakin begets vader begets luke begets so on and so you know what i mean do you mean skywalker family yeah 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 that's what i mean you said solo family well i was was letting it go hoping that uh technically they're the same thing eventually they merge you're correct yeah so uh but this one, they're like, no, Jedi's are awesome. This is the story of the rebellion. Like, it's the, the story of the rebels fighting the giant evil government. Like, mm-hmm. and that's what it's always been. Yeah, which, which I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was a big fan of these decisions by Ryan Johnson to just basically say, yeah, we're not going to do much with all this stuff that J.J. Abrams set up. We're gonna. Sort of, sort of tread our own path and throw all that shit out the window by yeah. literally having Luke throw his lightsaber over his shoulder when he gets it after the very last scene of the last movie. 
I, I do like the parallel between so so we should jump into that now because the second plot thread is uh, Luke and Ray mm-hmm. and and all their shit where you find out where Luke has been and I guess his training of Ray which consists of him explaining three things to her <laughs> <laughs> but uh so in the movie we find out that. Luke exiled himself after Kylo Ren's betrayal because he thinks it's his fault. Like, he did it. He trained Kylo. Kylo got yeah. evil. He pulled some bullshit, and now he he had to go away. Take it a step further, and it's revealed that it is definitely Luke's fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of. I, I think they established the fact that Luke fucked up, but it but in the end, like Kylo still like Yeah, I mean at the end of the day, Kylo Ren could have handled the situation better. But Luke yeah. made Luke was the adult in the situation and he made major mistakes that led yeah. to Kylo Ren. Yeah. yeah, he he had that dark moment where he's almost like, I could kill him now and just be a hundred percent sure that this is not gonna happen. And that split second was enough to just kind of destroy everything. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was just a moment of weakness. It wasn't a moment of malice or anything yeah. like that. But it's still enough. And I mean, you know, I, I'm an uncle. Yeah. If I was standing over, if, if one of my nieces and nephews woke up and I was standing over their bed holding a sword, I'm sure they wouldn't want to be friends <laughs> with me anymore either. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's fair enough. I'll, I'll get one of them over here this weekend, and I'll let you guys know next week how it goes when I'm standing over the sword. It's, it's it's interesting how that that scene plays out over and over and over again, and it gets more contextualized each time you see it. Hmm. So it's like the first time it's like he tried to murder Kylo, and then the second time he's like, "Well, no, I thought about murdering Kylo because I already knew he was evil, and then I changed my mind, but it was too late." And then basically the third time they're like, no, Kylo had already completely made his decision and gone dark side. And your your shitty decision was still a shitty decision, but it really had no bearing on what Kylo Ren was going to do in the first place. Yeah. It almost brings it full circle where you're saying like, maybe you should have killed him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like maybe you're, maybe it, it, maybe the moment of weakness was not killing him and not making that personal sacrifice to destroy your own family member in order to save the galaxy. Yeah. yeah. I like it. Uh, we also learned that basically Luke's had some evolution in the way he views the world <laughs> in which he kind of, he believes firmly in the force and he seems to still have really strong feelings about that. But at the same time, he's kind of decided that the Jedi fucking suck, and and that everything the Jedi did was a failure. So there's he's, no point. He's not that wrong. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's accurate. It's it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny how he has sort of gone all in with the Force, but then we discover he's completely shut himself off from the Force too. I thought that was really interesting because I, I think the idea that he, because he shut himself off from the force, now he would have no idea what's going on out in the world, right? He's mm-hmm. physically removed himself. 
he's trashed his only way to go home by destroying his X-Wing. And then he's now cutting by cutting himself off from the Force, he's just completely removed from the world. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and then of course the the whole circle of Luke ends up being at the end Luke shows up to the final battle to uh uh well, the biggest, I, the biggest after, badass ever. Yeah, after a discussion with uh Yoda, Yoda shows up as a blue light and goes uh, to give Luke one last tongue lashing about how much of a fucking idiot he's being. <laughs> so fucking loved that scene too. When Yoda showed up, yeah, I was just like the only thing that annoyed me is I didn't think the special effect was quite right on the Force Ghost look. Mm-hmm. They kind of made him look more like he's just really there, which is well. They kind of went back and forth. Like some scenes seemed like he was there, and other scenes he had like a blue tint to him. Yeah, like it changed every every time they cut. I think the problem was is that they were they went with a practical effect and they just had him haloed with the blue. But whenever you had the fire in the background, it washed out the blue, so you couldn't see it anymore. Yeah, that was it. I also didn't like his page turner joke, by the way. <laughs> That's really nitpicky that it's like, this is the joke I didn't like, but when he's like, oh, real page turners they are. And I'm like, no, oh, that's not, a, not an appropriate joke for you. <laughs> Making it with the Jedi texts. <laughs> see, I don't know. I can totally see that because they went back with like original appearance of Yoda on Dead yes. where Yoda was kind of like... Crazy and goofy. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's wise and he's powerful, and she just doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah I just, it was, I, I guess like. maybe it was just more of the terminology and stuff that I had an issue with. It wasn't that I have a problem with Yoda telling jokes. <laughs> yeah, I love that it was a return to original Yoda, which would make sense. I mean, the last time we've seen Yoda was in the prequels, so it was always younger Yoda, and not the crazy old like goofy Yoda that we first saw. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I think maybe we should skip over and we should talk about the Finn and Rose and Poe storylines before we get to what happens with Luke at the end. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think it makes sense. Since that that's kind of like the big thing. Um yeah. <laughs> so we see uh, I mean, you want to jump into Pose, I guess. I mean, yeah, Pose Pose probably the simplest. Yeah, he seems to be having a real big problem with uh, inaction, where Leia's kind of has a strategic idea of what they need to do, and Poe just is like, "We have this dreadnought here. We need to bomb it." And of course, they lose like pretty much all their ships. And she straight up tells him, like, you can't solve every problem by jumping into the X-Wing and blowing shit up. Yeah. But then the next second, it's, can I jump into the X-Wing and blow some shit up? And he's like, yes. Yeah, but I, I like symbolically that when he goes to jump in his X-Wing, it's, that option is removed from him. Yeah. And that, that is sort of his character's journey through the rest of this movie, is trying to figure out how to live in a world where you can't just jump in your X-Wing and blow some shit up. Yeah. I, d- I did like the fact that once once again with the whole uh, this movie tricking you, mm-hmm. like you feel like the entire movie posed trying to learn the lesson of how to be a leader. Yeah. And it turns out in the end, it's 
he's he's learning how to like follow. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. Which is which is a really fucking cool thing, especially in a culture where uh, rebel like it, rebels are celebrated. Obviously, I mean, look at Star Wars. It's it's the story of a, a fucking rebellion, right? Like we we all like Han Solo. Han Solo is a douchebag in the movies. That's but we yeah. love him anyway. And you want Poe to be the Han Solo esque douchebag. And in this case, it's like, well, no, sometimes you need a smart, military-minded person to tell you to sit down and shut the fuck up and just take the hits. <laughs> yeah, part of the problem with that is it does get us into the territory of, like, how many people died because of Poe in this movie? <laughs> and it's like, I don't yeah. know that he should be considered a hero by the end. Like, he... Yeah, I mean, it's casualties of war, unfortunately. You make some good decisions, bad decisions. I unfortunately, guess. He, made, he made some bad ones. <clears throat> yeah, unfortunately, I've been seeing articles online citing uh, Poe Dameron's uh, toxic masculinity in this movie. And I'm just like, really? Do we have to, like, label that as well? I mean, that's well, kind of, I, mean that's, I that's, suppose... I it's suppose kind of, that's kind of what it is, but, but that, that's kind of the point of the thing. So I don't know why we have to suddenly like, yeah, again, yeah, he's being angry he's because learning. of there, silly. Yeah, his whole thing is he's learning not to jump to that sort yeah. of macho response and to, and frankly, like it, it's notable that all the leaders are women that he yeah. is expected to follow. I don't think that, I don't even sure if that's necessarily intentional or if that's just. Star Wars being Star Wars and mm. all that, but um, it's uh, to suggest that it's a problem in the movie because it's, the movie addresses it. Yeah, movie which says, I guess. Yeah, the movie <laughs> says like, look, don't do the dumb macho thing every time. Sometimes you have got to do the smart thing. That... Shut up and listen to the three smart women who are telling you what to do. Yeah, but, he, but I mean that plays out again in the final battle a bit with Finn. To a, to a lesser extent, it's not quite the same thing. But yeah, you end up having a female character prevent him from doing the big macho thing. Um, not sure I agree with her actions in that particular case. Well, we can talk. We can talk. We'll get that in a second. We'll get there's a. I, I've seen a couple people freak out about basically the message that happens right there, and that'll be fun to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Though I think the interesting thing is through all this, like Poe thinks he knows what the right decision is. So I mean, we get to a point where the what the fuck is the giant ship called that they're on? The cruiser or whatever. Yeah. Uh, part of it gets hit, and it almost like Leia gets sucked out into space. But then we can see her use some have some force power scenes of her own where she is able to pull herself back into which, the ship. Which one? I feel like they're a great big fucking Star Wars buff. Yeah. Because they seem to be, once again, waggling their fingers at George Lucas for the prequels. Because like this, in the books, you'll find out that, like, so they all knew Leia was Force-sensitive. She's a fucking Skywalker. And she's a twin. Yeah, and she Luke's fucking twin. Obviously, she's going to have forcey powers. And in the books, Luke starts to teach her stuff, and then she decides that it's not as important as her general duties, 
so she stopped. So she's basically got just just enough force knowledge to do little bitty things, mm-hmm. like moving herself through space when something bad happens. Uh, I think originally Lawrence Kasdan came on and wrote like a treatment for this movie, but then had to sort of stop to go help with Force Awakens or whatever. And so when Ryan he asked if he could just throw all that shit away. Some of it ended up not lining up after they finished Force Awakens, so it didn't line up with the treatment. So he's like, can I just trash this and write my own story? To which they said yes. And then so I guess he's sort of the main mind behind this entire story. So he must be a ginormous Star Wars fan like you're talking about. Yeah, because like, like I said, there's also, and Poe, Poe's character too. Mm-hmm. Poe's character in the books, that is Anakin Skywalker. That, like, that's that's who that is. If, if you go back and you read all of the, the books from the 70s and shit, whenever the movies were coming out, that's the way Anakin Skywalker was always presented. He's this ridiculously badass fucking X-Wing pilot who tends to make bad decisions and rush into stuff. And, and once again, it's almost like they were like, look, we took the character that you should have made and <laughs> just took the Jedi shit away and did it anyway. Uh, so after, yeah, after Leia saves herself, she's still so weakened that she has to go to the med bay or whatever and sit in those futuristic looking like oxygen tent sort of thing and she's unconscious. Um, so Laura Dern's character takes over and this is when like stuff really starts to come out because he really does not want to take orders from her and doesn't seem to understand any of the decisions that she's making to the point that he does a full mutiny and relieves her of duty and takes over the bridge and like all this stuff but then at the end it turns out that like oh no no like she had an actual plan that she had worked out with Leia it seemed like that uh, actually made a lot of sense and would have worked if he wasn't such a dumbass and would have just let things go. So I have to be a little critical of the film here, though. Sure. Because did it not feel a little bit forced, this whole thing? Because Leia or Laura Dern's character could have just pulled aside their number one pilot, who is like their best commander, and been like, we have a plan this is what our plan is. We've done the math. We have just enough fuel to make it work. It's going to be fine. So stop leading mutinies on the ship <laughs> and just, just know, just be, go be a commander and do your job. And we've got this plan. That's it'll, it's going to be fine. And we'll need you to do your badass macho fly an X wing thing. Another day. It, it does, it, a lot could have been avoided had they just taken the time to have a conversation and, that conversation was between people who had a lot of other conversations. I was going to say, I think, I think the layering kind of makes sense though. Cause I think Leia would have told him that, but I don't think the plan was set forth whenever Leia gets blown up. Mm-hmm. And I think other chick, all she sees is because they make it clear. They had never met before. Yeah. All she sees is this pilot guy who just got demoted for making dumb fucking decisions after he was told not to do something. So she was like, well, we're just not going to fucking tell him what's going on because he'll fucking do something else. 
Fair enough. Yeah, but and I guess part of that for me is just like because they played him up as being pretty important and pretty like he's in the room with Leia a lot. So you would think whoever took over would recognize that hey, that's that guy that was advising the previous general. We should fill him in on our plan so he stops rallying the troops against us. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of those weird things, but then it's like Noah kind of said it is. It also does not bother me that they didn't have that conversation because of maybe of the views they had of him after his demotion and stuff the very first yeah, I can see that. And it's it's very difficult to watch this movie through Laura Dern's character's eyes. Yeah. So imagining how she's seeing what's going on is is difficult for me because she's not one of the main characters, despite the fact she's very important and she's got a very she's very high up leadership wise and stuff like that. We don't get to know her very well. Which they almost like seem to play up in the movie. Because yeah. um, I mean, when Poe decides to do the mutiny, he basically decides that she's he calls her a coward, coward and a traitor. Yeah. Because it, from his perspective, the plan is they're just going to get on all these uh, uh, passenger barges or whatever and go to this nearby moon that has an old rebel base on it. Um, that they'll be able to hide out in the Empire. And then they won't be tracking the transport barges. They'll just be tracking the, the cruiser so they would be able to be able to lead the transports away, blah, blah, blah. But from his perspective, those transport barges don't have defenses or weapons or anything. So you're essentially just shooting them out into space and know that they're going to get chewed up as soon as the uh, First Order gets close to them. Yeah. So up like she's almost like a villain in the movie. But then it turns out, no, she actually has a really good strategic plan in place. He just didn't know. I got lost in my train of thought there, but <clears throat> no, it makes sense. Yeah, uh, you know, and I, and I see what you're saying, and, and I definitely think the movie wants us to watch this through Poe's eyes and to be shocked when it's revealed that there's a good plan. Yeah, uh, but for me, it just like I say that that tension was all seems like it could have gone away really simply. Yeah, which yeah. is probably could have one conversation would have killed all that, <clears throat> but then you know. It, it eliminates the potential for growth in the Poe character. Yeah, Doug. Yeah, I see that. You, you would, his journey requires him to behave the way he does, but how many people had to die so that he could go on his personal journey? Yeah, ne- necessary plot hole. Yes. That's, sure. That is a fair assessment. A lot of people did die just so that Poe could go, oh, maybe I don't need to do this all the time. Yeah. Uh, so... Then we jump, because that that's pretty much Poe's thing. Like that's the end. Yeah, well, he, <laughs> he sends Finn on his mission too. Well, yeah, I was gonna say because uh, Poe's Poe's big heroic moment in this movie is they're leading the attack against the Ram Cannon, and he calls it off. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's his heroic moment of going retreat. Instead of attacking, and yeah, that's his that's his journey, right? Which that's his culmination. Yeah. yeah, in which I'm saying that in like a silly way. It, it it's a good moment in the movie because it, once again it fucks with your expectations 
because in in want them to you know even if they die you want them to die in the glorious charge right but yeah it's fucking stupid like <laughs> what what good does it do dying in the glorious charge you know well see this is where though getting into the really specifics like finn is prepared it appears to me to sacrifice himself by flying directly like independence day style into that weapon and without that weapon they don't open the blast doors and that buys the resistance a whole lot of time so let him make a sacrifice that's i mean to to lose one guy to stop that weapon that could save the lives of the entire resistance true seems worth it oh and once again, well, like I said, there's a, there's a really cool because I've seen people online freaking out about it, and we'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah, I love it when people like lose their shit over something dumb. Uh, so then we've got Finn and Rose. Who? So Rose, I don't think we really stated she is the sister of the last bomber that dies in the initial attack on the uh, the dreadnought. Who who has a pretty? She's got a pretty cool Rogue One esque death of yeah. her managing at the last moment to unload the bombs from her ship before dying. I liked that death. I thought that was fun. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's... Fun might not be the right word, but I thought it was cool. Yeah. I think heroic is the right word. It's like a cool like sure. where you're like fist pumping the person. You know, they died, but they fucking got them fuckers. Uh, so <laughs> Rose. Bus Finn attempting to what she thinks is run away, and really he's not exactly running away. He's trying to save Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up linking up with Poe. They figure out that they could save the fleet if they can get aboard Snoke's ship and disable the tracker, mm-hmm. which would give them six minutes, which would let them jump to light speed, which means they couldn't find them again. Yeah, because they found some weird way to track them in light speed, which apparently has been impossible up to this point. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Finn and Rose go out on their quest. They go to a cool uh, casino world in which this is another one where people, pretty much Finn and Rose's entire story loans, the one that I see people freaking out about, uh, is because they're on a casino world looking for a slicer to help them hack the shields of the big ship so that they can get on it and, you know, do what they need to do. And throughout their exploration of Casino World, there's an interesting speech of she thinks the place is beautiful, but she wants to destroy it. And you find out that her opinion is that all the people who are on this planet, there's only one way they got as rich as they are, and that's selling weapons to the first order which is the first thing i see online with people fucking freaking out about that they keep saying that it's this liberal hippy dippy message that rich people are bad yeah and and all that kind of stuff you know but miss the part where they also explain that they also are selling weapons to the to the rebellion yeah yeah well the message is arms dealers are bad like they're bad people. War profiteering yeah. is bad. Like yes. they're yeah, pieces exactly. of shit. Like <laughs> well, it yeah. just it just <laughs> happens in the economy of this world. Those yeah. rich people are almost all arms dealers. Yeah, and it's I mean it, it's not taking a side saying like, 
well, they're selling to the bad side, so obviously they're all bad. No, they're selling to both sides, which makes them even more horrible yeah, than if they were just selling to one side. Yeah, and the fact that she points out that, you know, one of the things that gets glossed over in the main movie continuity, but they delve into a lot in the books, is the idea of, like, slave trade and stuff that's going on that the Empire wholesalely endorses. And so we see that there are, like, child slaves and stuff on this planet that are, they're using as, like, jockeys and all, all sorts of terrible things are going on, mm-hmm. so... So yeah. if you if you think that this is just a dig at rich people, you are a fucking idiot, and you need to blow your brains out. <laughs> okay, well, let's calm down. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. I'm sick. I'm sick of these fucking crazy people making wild accusations like that. It's fucking silly. It's stupid. If if you think that, you're stupid. Sounds okay. like something a liberal hippie would say. Right. Well, and I am. <laughs> I'm a fucking socialist devil, but. At least I could watch a movie without fucking crying. Oh, you watch this movie without crying? Actually, yeah, this one didn't get me. Rogue Rogue One got me. Oh, this one, this one got me. Um, the I don't know why specifically this point, but it's when Luke is. Uh, there's a point where Luke gets on the Millennium Falcon for the first time since Empire Strikes Back. And he's just kind of walking around, just looking at everything. And uh, he's just having this moment. And, of course, R2 happens to be on there and wakes up. And Luke basically says, like, there's no way, like, I'm going to go back to help them with their fight. And, of course, R2-D2 plays the original Obi-Wan, you're our only hope video, projection video from the first movie. And for some reason, that just, like made a little tear just roll down my cheek like that's it that's what started everything right there although you immediately immediately get bit with i which what i would argue at times in the movie are ill-placed jokes sure i my theory is that we have ryan johnson trying to add jj abrams style humor to this movie to make it consistent with the last one and it doesn't always work yeah yeah Although I don't think J.J. Abrams' humor in general, whenever it's J.J. Abrams, fucking works. So, but, uh, because he makes the joke of, oh, that's low. (laughs) 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 Um, But so, Finn, they cause a, uh, a scene, they get arrested, they meet a slicer who's going to get them in, although he's not the slicer they were supposed to find. Uh, more shenanigans, they end up doing exactly what she wants and pretty much fucking wrecking this whole casino city. <laughs> By releasing giant animals that are used as horses there. Yeah, yeah, it's, which, which I thought was fun, Although almost, almost unnecessary. Like it, it almost felt gratuitous. Yeah, where where they were like, yeah, she wants to fuck this city up, so we're really gonna watch them fuck this city up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think all of this felt a little gratuitous. This whole side trip. Yeah, it just seemed a little bit like it felt like okay, we've got we need to have one story for each of our main characters. And Finn doesn't really have one, so it felt kind of 
we got to give him the side mission to go do just so we have we can follow him on that and then you have to give him a lot of things to have happen but i mean that you could have written that whole section of the movie out and just had them contact Nisho del Toro through their yeah. you know whatever call him up and say hey can you come help us yeah and yeah and we're introduced to Benicio del Toro's character who is a slicer who is uh, Brian said earlier in Star Wars terms that's just like a computer hacker basically and uh, I really liked his character Benicio del Toro is fucking awesome yeah, he's good in everything he does. He's great here. He I really creates like a very unique character with very minimal amount of screen time. I was gonna say, and the amazing thing is somehow he's one of those actors who each each one of his characters is different enough that you could like if he was doing it, you would know exactly which character it is. But those characters yeah. are not super different from just Benicio del Toro being Benicio del Toro. Yeah. He's like a minimalist, you know. He just does a little. Like this one has a, a really unique verbal stammer that he does, and that's all you need. Now, okay, well, it's this hacker yeah. with the stammer. <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say he finds a way to give them this weird quirky tick, which normally would be like annoying. Like I think Johnny Depp kind of gets accused of that after Jack Sparrow, yeah. which sometimes yes, sometimes no. But Benicio del Toro does it for like a lot of characters, and it seems like that would be like, oh, he's giving him that weird quirk. Oh, why does he do that for every character? But it always seems to work, even when it's not really when you don't yeah. think it's going to. Yeah. Well, like in in uh, as the collector in the Marvel universe, he, basically all he did is he's kind of got a weird dismissive laugh that he does all the time. Mm-hmm. That weird ha, 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 kind of like, <laughs> but it, but it works. And so he okay. comes he comes off as an interesting character because he's clearly sleazy sleazy and untrustworthy, but you kind of like him at the same time. Yeah, he's almost got that Han Solo thing where he's because the entire time he's just asking for payment. Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, but you're gonna pay me. How much are you gonna pay me? And then there, there's the moment where he basically says you have to because the the rose and her sister both have these yin and yang type uh uh medallions they each had one and he basically tells her like i need your medallion almost like as his payment or like a down payment for this job to which that finn's like well that's bullshit that's her connection to her sister she just does it because she wants to make sure this mission gets taken care of and you kind of have that, like, what a dick. But then, like, when he's hacking into something, you find out that he specifically wanted it because it's good for conducting and uses it to short this circuit board out or whatever and then just gives it back to her. So then he has that sort of, like, redemptive quality where you're like, oh, okay, like, I get it. He's being played up as a dick, but he's not really a dick. And then we find out at the end he's yeah, dead. yeah, yeah. He's completely <laughs> dead. He just—he's a mercenary. He works for money, and he's yeah. out. Uh, so their plan ends up not working. Which, once again, what a great fucking plot device that is. Where you know you're like they're building and they're building, and they have to go through this whole epic quest to get on the ship, and then finally they get to the shield thing, and they get caught, and you realize the entire plan 
is, is shot because <laughs> it all relied on one shot in the dark, difficult thing of doing, which they don't do. Which is good. <laughs> that's, I don't know. That's that's good writing. I like it. I, I really liked the fact that the, a lot of the plans didn't work because yeah. you could see the traditional movie where it was going and it doesn't go there at all. Yeah, which also then dovetails into Yoda's discussion with Luke, which is that failure is the biggest, the biggest and best teacher of everything. Yeah, yeah. I like I like the the part in the conversation where he says you have to pass on all the things that you've learned, but you have to also pass on all your failures to your students so that they can be better than you. Yeah. Which that's a, that's a good that's some good Star Wars teaching kids shit. <laughs> exactly. Which then totally fit when like every plan in the, in this. It right, doesn't seem to go the way it's supposed to. Yeah, so Finn, Finn and Rose are taken to be executed, which of course ends up being Phasma. Yeah, Phasma. who I felt like we did not get enough of who Phasma is in the last movie, mm -hmm. and she's not. I think she's has less screen time in this one, but you actually like figure out Phasma's entire thing like in a very short period of time mm. in, in her few spoken lines where she tells Finn you know you were always scum basically <laughs> you know it wasn't just after you turned into a traitor you were always a piece of shit and, yeah you, you kind of got that nice moment too where she's like you're nothing but scum and he's like rebel scum <laughs> and I'm like yeah. it was just it was a cheesetastic moment and I liked it a lot yeah and in in a series where all of the the best fights tend to be the lightsaber fights, Finn and Phasma fighting with almost like archaic old school weapons is fucking awesome. That fight's great because they're just angry and just trying to beat the holy fuck out of each other, and I like it. <laughs> it did feel like a little bit more. Tactile, maybe than the lightsaber battles because they could hit each other without, you know, severing limbs and all that. Yeah. So you and just fucking, fucking Finn got to get that uh, for that fucking stun gun nightstick thing from the last movie. Yeah. I love that. He, I love that it's the same weapon that he got in that big fight with last time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the end of that fight where he. You know, he uh, he ends up like falling down a pit, but there turns out to be a raising platform in the pit, which that's mm. it's a little deuce X, but that's fine. Sport but, video game. Yeah. But man, he cracks Phasma right across the fucking face really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a good impact too. I like it in a movie when you go, Ooh, that fucking hurts yeah. so bad. <laughs> And I think the shot of he actually like basically destroys part of Phasma's helmet so you can see her eye through the helmet. Yeah. And something about her laying there and somehow giving a one eyed hate stare with no facial expression <laughs> works so fucking well. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, she, 
It's weird because yeah, they have her fall then into explosions, which, which me, she'll be in the next movie because we never actually see her die. Yeah, I was gonna say we would assume she's dead, but she should have been dead in the last movie. So okay, <laughs> she was on the planet that blew up. Yeah, that's, that's a hard one to live through, but she did it. Uh, Shh, you're ruining it. Right. Uh, um, also, BB-8 shows up to save the day for the 10 millionth time in the movie. Ah, fucking awesome. Driving, driving a fucking AT-AT and shooting the shit out of people. I love that moment. I liked the idea that Finn has this weird moment where he looks at BB-8 and he's like, something's not fucking right with this droid. <laughs> yeah, for the top of the AT-AT comes off and you see BB-8 like hacked into all the systems. <laughs> yeah, he just has that weird, like, what the fuck? Like, type of look on his face. Yeah, I really liked the look, because everyone else always looks at BB-8 like, oh, thank God, it's BB-8. And he looks at him like, wait, droids aren't supposed to fucking do that. Like, what the fuck is this droid doing? <laughs> this droid's like murdering fucking people. Droids don't murder people. Yeah, a lot of credit goes to that actor, too. Uh, John Boyega, is that his name? Yeah. He's like he's a fantastic actor and that little moment there where it's like in the middle of all this action and shit blowing up we need you to do a facial expression that tells the audience what's going on in your head and he's yeah sure and it, it, it he says more with that facial expression than he ever could if he actually spoke a line yeah yeah well and uh in this series so far it's weird that once once again in star wars which is filled with Jedi's, which is a nerd, is one of the best and most awesome things ever. How is my favorite character the random traitor stormtrooper guy who just kind of like fumbles his way through everything? Because he's the traitor stormtrooper guy that has a really awesome like backstory where he's completely defied the first order and accidentally joined the rebellion. Yeah. He's all he's fucking awesome. Like, like I said, there's there's a, a, a like at least two sick ass lightsaber fights in this movie, mm. and his fight with Kazma, in which she's basically fighting with a staff and he's fighting with the shock comfort thing, is way fucking cooler than all of those. Mm. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, uh, which takes us to the end. So they escape with BB-8 off and well, the movie. Wait, should we talk about how that fucking dreadnought gets destroyed at the beginning? No, or what the fuck is that giant ship that they're on? No, you don't, don't think they call it anything. You just call it Snoke yeah, ship. Snoke ship. How fucking Lord Dern just trashes that shit up? Getting was into light speed at it. Yeah, fucking awesome. It's just this. Yeah, she's opted to stay behind so the transports can get away. She's like, but somebody needs to pilot the ship. Which everybody knows is a suicide mission. Yeah. And she's sitting there and she sees that they've found out how to find the transport, so they're firing on them. And she's like, fuck. So she like turns the ship and I think was it Poe? Did Poe think she was like turning tail and running? I know on uh, the, some, on the so, somebody else did. Somebody else thought yeah. she was running away. And that's what the first order thought too, because they were like yeah. it's lighting up its hyperspace engines and they're like, yeah. shit. And they're like, yeah, just let it go. We'll destroy all these transports. But then, like, at the last minute, they realize, like, 
Oh wait, she's turning directly at the ship. And then fucking hits that light speed and just that effect is fucking awesome. It's yeah. It's kind of cool because like it's completely silent and you get uh because it's supposed to be happening beyond light speed, you get this weird kind of jerky instantaneous effect of it basically slicing the big ship almost in half and then the shrapnel coming off at almost light speed and taking out half the other fucking ships. It was fucking cool shit. It was awesome. Yeah, pretty badass. Uh, the rebels end up all locked up in a bunk basically on this planet uh, after murdering Snoke as I'm assuming everybody deducted from our conversation earlier. Uh, Kyle, At first I thought it was another Snoke planet. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, can't we just say it's Hawk? Can we just go back to Hawk? Since they had, you know, uh, was it Jack Boo in the last movie, which is basically Tatooine's. Yeah. And, yeah. didn't want to call that. and the guy took the time to go salt. Yeah. <laughs> Just so you guys know what this is. Although it ended up being important plot-wise. Sure. Get into it. Uh, so they're locked up in the bunker and basically eventually all of the characters make their way there. Uh, Ray showing up at the last minute and on her little errand, but we'll get to that. Uh, they figure out that they're trapped and they're basically fucked because Kylo Ren sends basically the full force of the ground troops down to get them, which is where they unload the cannon we were talking about earlier. Uh, Poe and Finn and uh, random dead pilots number five through nine. take these really, really shitty speeder things that use yeah. kind of a weird e mechanism to drive around. Which yeah, the planet has an old rebel base on it that's been, like, defunct, like, forever. So there's no real, like, usable speeders or anything. So they have to use what they got. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain any of it makes sense. But we <laughs> ski ship things, but it looks really cool. Yeah. Because it turns out under the under the surface of the planet is like red dirt, so when they scrape that white salt away, it leaves some really cool visuals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they go to assault the cannon. They start taking heavy losses. Poe finally learns his lesson, tells everybody to pull away. Finn decides he's going to go on a suicide mission and just wreck into the opening on the uh, the ram cannon, which they. I don't like the fact that they had to point out they're like, it's miniaturized Death Star technology, and I was like, god damn it, you don't have to fucking bring the Death Star weapon into fucking everything. Yeah, but big big mainstream audiences want to hear that. Yeah. Uh, Finn goes to kill himself at the very last second before that happens. Rose basically wrecks their ships into each other, saving him and horribly injuring herself in the process. She basically tells Finn that she loves him. And, yeah. and that the entire thing is, she says, we're not going to save everyone by killing the enemy. We're going to save everyone by saving the people that we love. 
Yeah, she says, you don't win by fighting the things you hate. You win by fighting for the things you love or something to that effect. Yeah. And I thought that was actually like a nice line. Yeah, protecting. That's it. Protecting the people we love, not right. killing the people we hate or something something along those lines. But that, in which there's the line that caused the second crazy freak out on the internet of basically right-wing people being like, oh, see, fucking hippie-ass liberal <laughs> fucking bullshit trying to be all anti-war. You know, you don't you don't win a war by fucking saving people. You win a war by killing the bad guys. Yeah, I, I love when people get on online get upset because they're like, oh, you're anti-war. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I'm anti-war. The thing that kills millions of people all the time, yeah, I'm against that. I... I don't know how to tell you that. I just I'm comfortable with my stance. Yeah, it's just it's just madness. You're like, look, you're making a, a pretty good point that throwing yourself endlessly against a brick wall it doesn't win a war. <laughs> like it's it's smart. You might you might do some damage to the brick wall, but you're going to die. Uh, and then, of course, the big twist at the end is Luke shows up to save everyone, although he's looking suspiciously fit and young. <laughs> he looks like he did in the flashbacks when we talked about him possibly murdering Kylo Ren in his bed. Yeah, he actually looks better. <laughs> he's he like he looks like he's like the best shape he's been in of yeah. any of the movies, and his hair is like brown for some reason even though it wasn't really ever yeah that's, that's what i was gonna say the fact that they changed the hair color and i was sitting there staring at it and i was like wait he like he came to save everybody but he took the time to dye his hair that doesn't make any fucking sense this, like, that was this is how i you know what, it. go ahead doug i should say what they did is they made it so that three of us and probably most of the people listening to this podcast knew exactly what was going on but <laughs> mainstream audience members, I bet you, are still caught off guard by that. Like, kids who go to see this aren't going to notice that his hair is a different color, and, you know, the kinds of people who have to be told not to take their phones out in theaters aren't going to notice. I think this is a shocking twist for some people, and for us, just a cool moment. Um, I actually did not see the full twist coming, but I was purposefully not trying to not look ahead and just kind of enjoy what was going on. And my rationale for him was he had shut himself off from the force. And then when he uh, made the decision, I guess, to to lock back into it, that it sort of helped rejuvenate him a little bit. Um, that makes total sense. Obviously, sure. obviously now looking back at it, I'm like, well, that's kind of dumb. But um, I, don't, I don't think that's dumb because they do say – I think they mention it once in one of the movies, but in the books especially, they talk about light side force users. It does keep you young mm -hmm. for longer periods of time. Sure. And that's why I just figured, like, oh, it, like, he opened himself up to it, and it, like, got rid of all of his gray hair, because he's rejuvenated, and whatever. See, here's, here's what happened for me, is the first shot is of Luke in kind of the background, and it's almost like a you can't really see his face and stuff yet. Mm. But right away, I noticed his hair's cut. Yeah. And I'm like, that's weird that he got a different haircut. So then now I'm paying specific attention to his physical appearance when he comes out of the shadows and you can see it. I'm like, 
and it's all brown and he looks quite a bit younger yeah something's up here i i assumed that he was force ghosting it in some way yeah which now that we're talking about it makes a lot of sense because he now looks exactly like he did the last time he saw Kylo Ren. Yeah. When they have that face off, like Kylo Ren is seeing the person that he hates or wants to destroy or whatever, and he looks exactly the same. So that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I really liked is when he goes out to meet Kylo Ren, you notice that when Kylo Ren walks on the salt, he leaves footprints, but Luke doesn't. And I thought that was a really cool effect. I didn't notice that. Didn't notice it, yeah, because it's the that white salt, and then when when whenever Kylo Ren puts his foot down, you get the red dirt come up. But when Luke's gliding around, you do, he doesn't leave those marks, which is nice. Huh. Again, r- really cool to look at. Yeah. And, uh, on a second watch, I'm sure that I'm gonna see all kinds of shit I didn't notice like that the first time. Yeah, there is like because I can't help but nitpick. There is a flaw in this because he does. He does physically touch Leia, and you notice during the fight he never touches Kylo Ren. That's like the more obvious giveaway that something weird is going on. But he does touch Leia. He gives her a kiss on the forehead, and it's like, well, how can he physically interact with her? My, I think that's a callback to when Kylo and Ray were talking to each other. Uh, that's true. They did. They were able to physically touch as well. Yeah. And Kylo even did like the Freddy Krueger thing where he like brought back like physical evidence where his hand was wet the one time when he touched Ray and she was in the rain and he was in his ship. No. So I guess, yeah, I guess the force allows you to physically touch. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever it's needed for the narrative. Yeah. So we get, Luke gets to give his big speech to Leia, basically apologizing for not being there and explaining that, you know, he's, he's come to, face down Kylo and and that Kylo's not savable anymore. <laughs> I like I like that moment where he just looks at her and goes like, yeah, I have to face him and I'm not here to save him. And I, I don't know, there was like an honesty to the way he said it where I'm just like mm. I feel like they're all like just they're in this war and it's like you're I hate to say it, but your kid's on the other side of the war. And uh, there's only one way around that. And then the sad thing is, you can tell by her expression, the way she says her response is, she knows, and she's known that for a while now. So, yeah, she's already sort of made peace with it. Well, it's funny because, like in the last movie, she sent Han Solo out to try to get the son back, and now it's like it's like his death is what spurred her to go. No, I guess, like if. Luke had his chance, and then years later, Han Solo gets his chance, and it's like, there's no point in sending somebody else to their death. Like, which is really, like, it's it's a really sad thought of, like, the idea of a mother saying, like, I understand that you have to go kill my son, but it makes sense in the narrative as well. Yeah. Uh, and so we have Luke basically walking out the front door to face down the entire order which the the funny thing is is that's a callback to earlier in the movie where he basically said to ray what the fuck do you expect luke skywalker to show up and walk out and face down the entire 
because yeah, when he says that, when he goes, "What do you think is going to happen?" I'm going to walk out there with a laser sword and face the entire or the entire first order, and I'm like, "That's a really good point." And then later he does it. And I'm like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and there's an interesting message to it, which we can kind of get to after we get to the biggest spoiler of this. So he walks out. Kylo Ren orders the entire first order to basically fucking unload on him. Which, which they do for like a solid minute. <laughs> That's a lot of laser blasts at that one little spot. Yeah. yeah. Eventually they stop, and as the smoke clears, Luke walks out and gives a little brush the shoulder off. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I kind of wanted to groan at a little bit. I did groan myself. Yeah, but everybody else in the theater seemed to go, "Oh shit!" And I was like. It's a generational thing, I guess. I I thought it was fucking dumb. I felt it was a little out of character for a Jedi. That was my issue with it. Although it makes sense for what he's doing right at that moment. Yeah, I think knowing now how the movie plays out, I kind of go, okay, he was taunting Kylo Ren. That was his his purpose in that moment. And I guess that way it worked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kylo Ren goes out to face him, and I actually think that this is my favorite lightsaber fight that's ever been in a Star Wars movie, and it's very short, and there's literally no contact. (laughs) Yeah. Which is just fucking cool, though, because it's just basically Luke outmaneuvering Kylo's swings by just uh, a hair's breadth. Yeah, he's basically being Kane, uh, Kane from Kung Fu, where it's not about making contact with your opponent; it's just letting them kind of go crazy and avoiding it and throwing them off balance, which yeah. I thought was pretty awesome. The other note that I should have known that he was a Force Ghost the whole time is his lightsaber's blue. That's the that's the another big giveaway. Yeah, I should I should have known, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like. That was probably the biggest clue. The fact that his lightsaber's blue and we just saw that lightsaber get destroyed like 20 minutes beforehand. Yeah. Uh, Kylo gives a big speech about with one foul swoop, he's going to end the Jedi, the rebellion, pretty much everything. What What was the third thing he says? It's like, with you, like, into you because you're the last Jedi. I am the rebellion, and he's like I am something else, but I can't remember. What I think it was. Is. I think it was you, and therefore the Jedi and the rebellion. So I think those are your three things. Yeah, and then uh, Luke goes. It's amazing that you just said that, and not a single one of those things is correct. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was, man, that's a good fucking line. Well, it's a callback. <laughs> he said that line to Ray earlier in the movie too. Yeah. yeah, when she said the Force was all about lifting rocks and floating and stuff. And he's like, all those things you just said, and none of them are correct. Yeah. Which turned uh, out to not be true, as we'll see here at the end of the movie. Yeah, which yeah. is funny. <laughs> so, of course, uh, he also does the old Ben Kenobi line of, you know, strike me down in anger. And, but instead of saying, I'll become more powerful than you could imagine, he's basically like, I'll always be with you, just like your father, which I'm assuming he's telling him that he's already haunted by a ghost. Yeah, he's basically saying, like, 
I can tell by looking at you that you're still struggling with the fact that you did that. And if you do it to me, you'll just be struggling twice as much. You'll, yeah. The guilt will be with you always kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Kylo throws killing blow, and we find out that Luke's not even there. He's been astrally projecting himself, I guess, is what he's doing. Yeah, the Force does that now. You can... <laughs> Basically, what was happening earlier with the characters who were communicating, Luke has mastered doing that on a more intentional basis. Yeah. Yeah, he's basically the the way I looked at it is he's basically Jedi mind tricking everyone on that planet at the same time, which yeah, yeah is kind of like holy shit. <laughs> Luke Luke really was pretty fucking powerful at that point. <laughs> uh, of course, then we get Luke's death scene, which is just like him fading away, kind of like Yoda did. I like that quite a bit. I like he's sitting sort of cross legged on that thing, and he kind of collapses and gets up and he's physically exhausted from his mental fight that he just went in. Well, was the first shot of him in Star Wars, he was standing on the hill looking at the two suns. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was... Uh, it was, those, was those supposed to be a sunrise? And this one was a sunset? That's what you're suggesting? Yeah. Because then you see the two suns again, even though he's on a different planet. And it yeah. would be interesting if it was a sunrise versus a sunset. Sure. Sure. We'll say it is, because Ryan Johnson probably did that on purpose. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt like it was reminiscent of some of the shots of him on Tatooine as a young guy mm-hmm. um, looking out over the horizon. I think like probably throughout the saga, there's a lot of different shots of Luke just kind of staring off into space and seeing everything that's out there. And it's definitely his journey over the course of whatever it is, six films now, has been. He started out wondering what was out there, and now he's seen it all. And he's sort of chosen to remove himself from it and then re inject himself in it. So it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting journey he's been on, where it's like he'd never been off planet when we first met him. And now he's choosing to have never been off planet for however many years he's been back he's just like i don't now that i went out there and did that and experienced this failure now i don't want to be a part of it anymore yeah uh and basically the movie ends on three notes ray shows up and has to move a bunch of rocks (laughs) to save everybody which of course is another callback from the earlier uh we find out that when yoda blew up the old tree that he did not actually destroy the Jedi text because Ray had stolen them all. Mm-hmm. Which that's I thought that was kind of smart. Where it's going to be like, okay, well, she has another way to learn stuff. Yeah, and it's that's been sort of established that when Jedi are in self exile, they can train themselves. Yeah, and that was true with Obi Wan and a couple other people. So. And then the interesting third note where we find out that the rebellion has not been crushed, but is going to spread because they've done what the movies are all about and they're giving people hope. Mm-hmm. This is the moment where like, I got very emotionally involved in the movie was that little kid at the end. Yeah, holding the broomstick. Yeah, yeah. holding the broomstick, like pretending it's a lightsaber. 
watching the stars the same way Luke was watching the stars back in episode four. And like, as he sees the ship go into hyperspace up, up, up over the planet and he's got his rebellion ring on. And I'm like, I turned to my buddy as the credits were rolling and I'm like, you know, when we're like 50 or 60 years old, we're gonna have to come back and watch a movie starring that character. Like that kid is like, a, he's the new hope for this next generation and it's awesome. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Uh, I did like the idea that in, in the end, there's all these weird, cool kind of cross messages that, that seem oxymoronic at times, but they work out. Like Luke's trying to teach Ray that legends and shit are just stupid fucking stories and that that's all dumb and that you know it has nothing to do with reality or the truth or anything uh, so po and Poe is kind of learning that exact lesson that Luke was trying to tell Ray that you can't just be the fucking hero that rushes in all the time that's not what wins this right. you have to be smart and and not take credit and you know just be another cog in this rebellion machine kind of like i i say that in a very negative way but i i mean it in a good positive is the way things work way yeah you said Toro like physically said at one point to finn and rose like like it's all just it's all the same thing it doesn't matter what side you're on it's just one big yeah and the, the interesting thing is so at the end you have Poe learning to like follow and and be part of this thing and not try to push forward and be the one who does everything while Luke has to learn the legend or learn the lesson that, that his job's the opposite like that's what the Jedi are for he's supposed to be this big psycho you know, godlike legend that inspires people so that they can keep moving forward because they know somebody like that is out there, which is what he does at the end, walking out there and, mm. you know, calling out Kylo and all that shit in front of everybody. But yeah, I think, I think it's, a, it's a lot... Of the main theme of this movie is that all these people have to learn to play the role that they're meant to play. And that that role is different for different characters, but they all need to stop trying to be something that they're not, right? Like Poe needs to stop trying to be the leader and learn to follow. Luke needs to stop to to basically get back in the game because he's over there doing his thing. Ray needs to stop thinking that she can team up with Kylo Ren. They all have to kind of just okay, do your job and work together, and you'll win this fight. But if you're all trying to do something other than what you're meant to do you don't stand a chance yeah. yeah so and since since we've got the movie pretty much wrapped let's talk about the handful of things <laughs> like so i wanted to know who snoke was i figured that was gonna get covered nope, nope. He was snoke. nope and snoke gets cut in half so probably probably not gonna get that without reading the book well, unless they had Darth Maul on him and put some robot legs on him. But he looks pretty dead the last time we saw him. Yeah, because those, those legs were still sitting up and they just kind of fell over. Yeah. There was a... Uh, in the first movie, you kind of get the loose insinuation that, that this 
group that are called the Order of Ren, which Kylo Ren is the leader of, are probably these Jedi that he turned that mm-hmm. were Luke's apprentices. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't get that definite. Now in this one, they say not only did he kill, but he did actually manage to turn several Jedi and take them with him. But yeah. we still get nothing about the fucking Order of Ren. We have no idea who they are. We haven't been introduced to a single fucking one. We don't know if they have any training, if they have lightsabers, where the fuck they are. <laughs> yeah, we don't know why they're not in this fight. Like, are they not, or if they've been killed off, or are they off yeah, exactly. on some other mission? Isn't that well, weird? Doesn't that feel like we should have at least the tiniest fucking bit of information about that? Well, now that he's going to be the big bad of the universe, maybe there'll be like his army for the for the next movie. Yeah, I know that there's somebody's favorite character because there was one guy cosplaying as a Knight of Ren at the theater I was at. So, <laughs> so next, uh, how are they going to deal with the fact that Carrie Fisher died? You know, because yeah, she obviously can't. One. Yeah, she can't be in the next movie without doing weird CGI stuff that nobody wants them to do. I assume that they have enough footage that they can have her they can give her a death scene in the next movie without having to use too much CGI. Yeah, that's what I'm guessing. That's another one of those things that they managed to really throw a wrench in your brain, because the whole movie you were like, well, Leia's gonna die. Like, because they they can't continue her on, they're gonna kill her. And they don't. Yeah, yeah, when she went into like her coma sleep state i was like oh is this gonna be it like did they decide well like well we have this scene what if we just put her in a coma and we'll figure out how to deal with her at the end of the movie or something and i don't know i was kind of bummed i was surprised when she woke back up and then was pretty active for the rest of the movie yeah it it caught me off guard i'm kind of like i don't part of me feels like do you really fake a character's death when the actors really died? But I don't know if that was already done before she passed away. Like I would assume that it was obviously shot before she passed away, but it's a little weird that they faked her death and the movie came out in the year where she actually died. Like it's yeah. Uh, I, I was hoping they were going to explain why, Ray can learn Jedi shit so much faster than fucking everybody else. Uh, she's got a lot of midichlorians, Noah. Yeah, you shut your whore fucking mouth. We don't. We don't ever talk about midichlorians. Okay, but they do say that she we has. We don't talk about Calm down, calm down. They do. <laughs> they do point out that she has like a raw power that all of your top Jedi characters or your top dark side characters are all surprised by how strong and powerful she is. Like Luke expresses it, Snoke expresses it and Kylo Ren expresses it. So it's like, okay, for whatever reason, she's just more powerful. We won't won't use the M word, but for whatever, whatever causes the force to be in someone, it's stronger (laughs) in some people than it is in others. And it's particularly strong in her. In which I accept that. Okay. I, I just kind of was hoping that they would give something. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason for it. Because in a, the problem is, is in in world, especially like this, where I've been invested heavily in the extended universe for so long, I need the pieces. 
Well, there'll be there'll be something in a book or a comic book yeah. or a video game somewhere that they announce as canon that explains it. Yeah, I hope so because that is a square ass peg in a round hole, and it just don't <laughs> it don't go. But yeah, so so that all that stuff is just and, and I all of that. Oh, you're cut now, Noah. Oh, sorry. What I was saying was, you know, those were the things that I figured this movie was going to take care of, and it didn't do any of it. Like, not remotely. Like I said, I feel like the opening shot with Luke when they first see him, and they redo that scene where Ray gives him his lightsaber, and he looks at it and then just throws it over his shoulder over the cliff. I feel like that was Ryan Johnson just being like, yeah, we're not dealing with any of this J.J. Abrams bullshit. We're just going to do some other stuff. Okay, and, and so now we need to talk about that. So, you know, obviously they've said that J.J. Abrams is coming back for three. I don't want him. I want this guy. Like, this, yeah. this guy was better. Well, I want a third guy. So, that's, <laughs> that's my take on it. I don't want... For the saga, I don't want the same guy directing more than one. Sure. And I'm I'm really nervous about J.J. Abrams because look what happened with Star Trek. I mean, he did an amazing job in the 09 version of Star Trek, kind of rebooting that franchise and getting it back on track, and not so much with the follow-ups. So let me just let me just say one thing to that. Uh, no. I'll state for the record that unequivocally Star Trek 2009 is the best Star Trek movie. And then we can argue about oh. it. Uh, you, you guys can uh, have trouble sleeping tonight. Oh, uh, no, I, don't disagree, I don't disagree with you because I'm not a, really a big Star Trek fan. Oh, I need a bottle I, of Tums. But I know Noah's mic. <laughs> now cut off Noah's, Noah's mic and we'll talk no. about it. <laughs> no. Um, no, why did why did this happen to happen in a Star Wars show? <laughs> it's so much worse. Uh, I will say that uh, Ryan Johnson apparently has been giving given his own Star Wars trilogy. I'm looking forward uh, to that. They're not saying what it is. It's apparently not connected to the Skywalker saga, so it'll be something else set in Star Wars. Um, but you know they're not. I mean the two the two that are announced are Solo and Kenobi. So, yeah. Well, well is it Kenobi there's... officially next? Do what? Is it officially next Kenobi after like after Solo? Or... Yeah, yeah, they've announced. I think they announced that it's going to be three movies, three Kenobi movies. Mm. You know, there's been lots of different rumors. I'm all in for Ewan McGregor coming back as Obi Wan Kenobi. I think yeah. I think that one's been official because I think they said somebody's been hired for it. Somebody's been hired to write it or something. Yeah, apparently, yeah, Ryan Johnson's trilogy. There was rumors it might be the Old Republic stuff. That's um, what, that's what the fuck I want. Those stories are so good. Well, apparently, he said that that's not what it is. So, um. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. If it, this movie's any indication, I'm all on board. Like, I'd love to see him kind of play with stuff in the Star Wars universe and not, if he's got his own trilogy, not feel like he has to follow up on someone else's work and also set up the next person in line where he can just kind of make his own gigantic story. So, that'll be a lot of fun. I kind of want them to make a low Baca movie, but I don't think that would ever happen. 
know, uh, thrown out names I don't know. Uh, so in the uh, the novels that have to do with Han and Leia's kids and Luke's kids and shit, Lobaka is a Wookiee who is a Jedi, which apparently doesn't happen very often. He's just, he's uh, a really cool fucking character. That's pretty cool. Uh, did anybody else notice uh, Billy Lord in the movie? Uh, I don't think so. No. She is Carrie Fisher's daughter. Oh, no, no, yeah. I, I don't know her name, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, so she was sort of the girl that was working on the bridge that was also working with Poe Dameron throughout his mutiny. Oh, okay. And she also, I noticed, had her hair pulled up into, like, tight, like, pigtails on the back of her head. Yeah. Almost. Bunny-ish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I so, didn't recognize her, but I know who you mean. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, I didn't know if they did that before. Like, maybe they would have, I don't know, had her come in and do some stuff after Carrie Fisher died, but... I've seen pictures of them together on set in costume, so I just think it's cool that she at least got to be in a Star Wars movie with her mom right before she passed away. That's badass. Yeah. So, a few random questions. Number one, are you guys pleased with the fact that not being a big part of the movie? Hold up, you just cut out. Say it again. The Porgs, were you happy that they didn't end up being a big thing in the movie? <sighs> the, the trailers and the toys and shit yeah. all fucking were ramping up like they were the new Ewoks or something. I was like, oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> uh, I was fine with them. Yeah. I'm glad that they weren't like the Ewoks, where they were like an important plot development. Like if they were on the Millennium Falcon and... Chewie's like, I know how to defeat the First Order is throw poor eggs at them. <laughs> some bullshit. I do want to watch Chewie throw eggs at something now, yeah. but hopefully it'll be out of continuity and not part of the main storyline. Yeah, I, that- like, I like the way the Porgs were used. They were cute. They were funny. They were little side jokes. They weren't anything important. And yeah, that one fucking scene, though, Jesus Christ, where apparently Chewie went and murdered two Porgs and like, was cooking them over the fire. <laughs> I- the poor for some reason look all sad. For some reason, when I was watching that, I was seeing like the second pork that had been cooked off to the side, and I kept thinking like, it's just so mean that they killed the second one. It's like, because one, I mean, the guy's just hungry, kills an animal, whatever, and there's no real indication that they're sentient. They're just they are just meat, and that's whatever. Of getting into a debate, I'm comfortable with thing animals eating other animals. Um, but yeah, they're they're all just giving him the big eyes, and he's like, "God damn it!" It's like, "Come on, stop looking at me." So, so there's the porgs. Uh, what did you guys think of the fact that they did the evil BB-8? Because <laughs> out of everything in the movie that uh, like wanted to make me roll my eyes. I was like, oh, that's fucking stupid. I don't know. Didn't bother me. It was, yeah, it was... It, I wouldn't say it bothered me, but I, I didn't love it either. I thought it was fine. Whatever. Yeah. I almost would have preferred if they had a different type of droid. Yeah, it was a weird addition. I, I know. I did thoroughly enjoy when they needed to hide BB-8, so they <laughs> put a garbage can over top of them. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he was having trouble seeing, so he kept running into shit. That was like my favorite humor in the movie was BB-8 scooting around underneath that. And every and whenever they passed like first order people, they were all fine with the garbage can zipping around. <laughs> Uh, I think my favorite BBA moment was the fact that drunk people were putting coins in him at the uh, casino, and then he actually <laughs> used them as like bullets later. On. <laughs> that was awesome. That was pretty funny. Except that I didn't understand why he had a slot for coins. Yeah, yeah. that's one of those things that I was getting ready to say. My problem with BB-8 is I feel like BB-8 can do way too much shit at this point. I agree like, with that. Like that little droid can do pretty much anything it wants to do at this point, which makes it a like a deus ex machina device built into the story which is the worst thing to have. Hey, listen here, old man. R2-D2 is the past. bb is the future. You just can't handle it. I, don't don't get me wrong. I like BB-8. I just, <laughs> like I said, I think that the, the fact that they keep every time they get into a situation BB-8 can do another thing. Yeah, he's yeah. like a Swiss Army knife. I, I definitely preferred BB-8 in The Force Awakens to BB-8 in The Last Jedi. But yeah, so that's that's my complaint. I, I feel like they, they're they given BB-8. BB-8's become more of a Mary Sue character than Rey. <laughs> like, BB-8 is now the uh, person writing themselves into the story as a basketball. <laughs> Sure, I'm around, but I've got a lighter and a taser and 10 million claw things that I can use to do fuses, and And I can also jam my head into the fuse box and connect all the fuses. Yeah. Uh, If if somebody fills me up with coins, I have this convenient coin firing mechanism. (laughs) Wait, why would they put that in you? Oh. Might need somebody. You never know. You got to plan ahead for all contingencies. Did I mention I can pilot an ATAT? We don't have hands. Not Those pilot. He could not pilot. He, in the interest of fairness, he could only really shoot with it, right? No, he was driving it at the end. Was he? Yeah, because it was. Oh running. yeah, that's right. Because at first it was still in the like holder thing. That's what I'm saying. Those are driven by people. People got hands. He ain't got no hands. He ain't got no feet neither. Doesn't need him. He connects right into the computer. Just make him. I suppose. <laughs> um, so overall, I guess what's everybody's thoughts? I'm, I'm guessing thoroughly enjoyed it. I uh, had a great experience watching it. I think it was better than The Force Awakens. I don't know if it was better than Rogue One. Because, man, Rogue One was really fucking good. Yeah. Um,. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's a tough call. But I, I don't. Yeah, I, I hate ranking the Star Wars movies. I, I guess I'm just happy that it's something moving forward. And even though I'm going to say this, it's going to sound ridiculous considering all the shit in it. But it's telling a new story rather than relying on old story that's already happened. Even though that still factors in Luke Skywalker and Leia and all that stuff, but. Like, I think Rogue One is a great chapter that fills in all the blanks that happened between, you know, right before A New Hope. But it still obviously relies on telling that story beforehand. Whereas this one is pushing the story forward into whatever the next movie is going to be. Yeah. 
I was kind of hoping they wouldn't kill off Luke Skywalker. My guess is he'll still be back as Ghost Luke. Oh, I'm, I'm think so. I'm sure he am. Because I mean, I don't know if they're, what their intentions was. Maybe this was going to be. Because from what I understand, this was supposed to maybe be Leia's trilogy, where it's more about her as the general is sort of the the uh, connected tissue between all of them. But obviously, they plan on her passing away suddenly. So I would almost imagine they would have to like. Well, we need Luke Skywalker to come back, even if it's just Force Ghost or Ray to guide her or whatever. Yeah, I would assume that he'll still be a guiding force for Ray as she continues her training. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I have to second what you said. I love the fact that this whole movie is taking the saga forward rather than relying on what's happened in the past. I love... And they still pay a lot of tributes to what happened in the past. I mean, that final fight scene is very reminiscent of the fight on Hoth, but it's still its own unique thing. Um, I, I think they do a great job of kind of passing the torch on to these new characters where you have, like, I mean, obviously Luke literally passing his role on to Rey, but it's, I think they do a great job of intermingling the old with the new in such that when it is... By the end of the next movie, I presume, we're only going to have... Our new characters those that'll be who's left standing and i feel like it's come naturally it's not been a forced thing yeah mm-hmm. and i like some of the stuff in this movie i like i like i've said i thought some of the stuff with with uh, finn's storyline was a little bit unnecessary even if it was fun to watch um but like then the stuff between kylo and uh Ray, I thought was just like amazing. I loved watching those two interact. I loved the when whether they were physically fighting or just talking. Every moment, I just I thought was great. So I'm really looking forward to more of that going forward. Yeah, is it weird that I really, 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 really want Finn to be a Jedi? <laughs> like that's that's the thing I was really hoping for in this movie. I was like, come on, make Finn a Jedi. Well, he has he does like he's used the lightsaber in the past, which. I've never seen anyone use a lightsaber unless they're a Jedi, really. So, or like strong in the Force, anyway. Unless you're getting a tauntaun. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's one of two people we've seen on screen, and the, you know, Han's barely count, but he's on solo. So, yeah. you know what the body temperature of a tauntaun is? Warm enough to keep you alive on Han, apparently. It's it's lukewarm. Oh. Right. <laughs> you motherfuckers! <laughs> fine, fine. Watch this. I'm nitpicking the movie some more then, because you did that. What the fuck? Why is three PO's arm back to gold? They had no time to get that repaired. Uh, someone told me that they repaired it at the end of the last movie, which I didn't notice. You know what the weird thing is? Is I didn't see uh, an off-colored thing on him this time. Yeah, because he's got like that silver leg and yeah had a. And, Which yeah, what, a fucking, what a genius thing that is! It's ridiculous. Because <laughs> I think Amanda told me she's like, no, like at the end of the last movie when they come back after Han died and stuff, but you know, his arm is fixed. Well, then that's a flaw in the last movie instead of a flaw in this movie because it doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. Like they're not re- they're not like repainting just superficial damage like that for mm-hmm. no reason in the middle of all these battles. 
Yeah, well, it's 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 a reason outside of the movies entirely. It's so that there's a different three PO toy for each movie. I guess. Oh no, I'm not joking. That's exactly the reason why those modifications right. happen. It's so that there is a different C three PO toy for each movie. I believe. Otherwise, it. they wouldn't have to rebuy him because he would look the same every time. He doesn't change outfits. I was kind of hoping he's going to hold on to the red arm for a while. I kind of liked it. I just, yeah, I thought we'd eventually get the backstory and stuff. Nope. What did you guys think of the pacing of the humor? Um, I will say the humor was very noticeable in the movie. Overwhelming. It, it felt like it was a bit forced in. That's I think that's what I was saying earlier about it being like J.J. Abrams style humor being forced into a movie that wasn't his. I felt like maybe it was they were trying to do jokes that would have worked in The Force Awakens and they didn't always work in this movie. That's what I'm saying. And I, and I know people don't like comparing movies but like uh, Rogue One it had funny stuff in it. There was plenty of humor in Rogue One without doing fucking dumb little gag jokes over and over and over again. Yeah. And and not only do I feel like there were too many jokes in this one, I feel like they were all gaggy. You know what I mean? Like the fucking the rock falling on the wheelbarrow and the little fish people pissed off that there's a hole in the wall and just you know what I mean? It was just joke, 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 joke. Yeah. Hmm. I agree with that. Like it's like a, like I think this movie really works on like thematic levels, and some of the the fight scenes are really good and stuff. Some of the dialogue scenes, it's like I like what you're saying, but I wish you were saying it in a more Star Warsy way. And yeah. you know that includes cutting out some of these jokes that are clearly written just to try to get a laugh out of a more mainstream audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's. There are flaws to this film. It's not perfect, um, and I'll I'll let you know after I've seen it a couple of more times whether it just flows naturally. Because that's the one thing with Rogue One and with The Force Awakens. What I love about those movies now is that I could watch them as part of the Star Wars saga, and they don't feel out of place. And I can't say that whether that's true or not about this one until I bring it home and watch it as part of the saga and see if it feels out of place. But that's I think that's the biggest problem with the prequel trilogy is not it's not that they're bad movies it's that they don't feel the same and that's a real issue uh, I will also say for those of you who aren't the type of people who went to see this opening weekend AMC has sick metal uh, popcorn buckets commemorative popcorn buckets for the release of this and yeah. they're awesome and I got one because I, I needed it <laughs> They had free uh, posters when at the theater I went to, and I was like, ah, "Am I the guy that brings home a poster from the movie?" Because I'm not going to hang that up. Mine didn't. Mine said that they didn't. They never got them. I'm assuming that means that the employees stole them. <laughs> Probably. Well, there were so many at like, like, cause there, I don't know if it was in all the screenings. I, I went to the IMAX screening, so that's the only one I can say it speaks to you, but there were so many that like everyone who wanted one took one and there's still a big pile of them there. Yeah. Oh see, if if I understood correctly, I thought the posters were a fandango exclusive that if you didn't buy your ticket online you weren't supposed to get a poster. 
Oh. Yeah, at my MC, they just had a, a huge pile of them sitting on the table. Mm-hmm. But I got, like I said, I got a sick popcorn bucket. I didn't even get popcorn. I'm going to be honest. That's how much of a fucking nerd I am. I got an empty metal popcorn bucket because I was like, I got to have that. Wait, so you just got the one? You didn't buy the combo pack of all three? No. Ah, oh, you fucking loser. No, I got the white one with the, uh, with the, like, the movie poster on the side and the date. I don't understand why you didn't get popcorn in it. That's the, let's get to that part of the conversation. Because no. it would have costed more money, and I actually planned on like not buying anything but a drink because movie stuff's expensive. And then I saw the buckets, and the buckets were $4, and I was like, give me that bucket. <laughs> it, is super, it is super expensive when you go to buy stuff there. I bought some nibs, and I was very upset about how much it cost me. Yeah, I pay for I pay for the yearly thing that makes it cheaper, and it's still fucking expensive. Yeah, I you just don't care. I just get popcorn when I go because I have to get popcorn when I go to the movies. Um, Those buckets are sick. And the cool one that I got it's almost completely out at my theater. The other two, there was a few because there's like an orange one that has BB-8 on it, and then another one. I have no idea. Like, look like it had Kylo Ren or something. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> Can you wield giant ears on the side of the bucket? I really want the Kylo Ren to look authentic. <laughs> Ouch. Poor Adam Driver. It is giant pile of Star Wars money. He's a, he's a good. He's a good actor with with a weird face and big ass ears. Yeah. His acting really is strong in this movie, though. Yeah, like like I said, he's. I have zero complaints about Kylo Ren in this. I I was one of the people that I thought he came off as a crybaby little bitch in the, the first movie, but this is way better. All right, anything else before we wrap up? Uh, the Last Jedi, because it was fucking awesome. All in all... A minus, B plus, A minus. I'm gonna say B plus just because of the humor. Too much. They were it. Yeah, I saw a lot of people talking shit on Facebook about how much they thought this movie was horrible. Though the complaint that I'm seeing a lot of is it's too much people talking, but the people talking scenes are some of the scenes I like the most. Mm-hmm. So I like my, like the parts I liked are. The most are definitely the, the Luke and Ray stuff and the Ray and Kylo stuff, which is mostly talking. Um, and if you watch the original trilogy, they're mostly talking. Yeah. Well, there's this ongoing problem where people see movies when they're kids and they love them, and then they go see like another movie in the in the same series like 25 years later, and they don't understand why they don't love it the same way. And it's like it's because you're not 10 now, like. Mm-hmm. And you made the dumb mistake of growing up. You should have done what I did, not grow up, and therefore you still love the things you loved when you were 10. Yeah. I feel like there's a big problem with people that if um, they go see a movie and it's not the best movie they've ever seen, then it's a shitty movie. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, movies can be just okay and still be good movies. Like, that's fine. They yeah. don't have to be like the best movie you've ever seen and blows you out of the water every time you go see one. It's awesome when that happens. Oh, yeah. But you should not expect every movie you go to see it to be that movie and then call it a shitty movie when it's not that. 
Yeah, well, I think that's just the internet. Everything is just taken to extremes. Yeah. My biggest, my biggest one is I don't like, especially in uh, things like Star Wars and comic book movies and stuff. If you're not familiar, like with it already, if if you're not one of the people who already knows all the shit, don't come into it and bitch that you want it to be different than what it's supposed to be. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because I hear that a lot. They're like, well, making it like the comics is stupid. And it's like, no, f- fuck you. Well, like, you did. That's, it's a comic book movie. Like, if you don't, if you're not interested in that, don't, don't fucking go to the theater, you piece of shit. Like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay to complain. Like, if, if you go in and you're like, well, I didn't like it. I'm not really familiar with it, but don't go, oh, well, I know better than everyone else who's, you know, been reading this for the last 15 fucking years because that's just it's silly I wouldn't do that yeah that was so bitter oh oh, oh I I've got I've got lots of nerd bitterness for from the years and years and years of weird things that have happened <laughs> All right. Well, I think I recommend all three of us, unless Doug wants to be the dissenter and say it's a piece of shit. No, I, I definitely, like I say, I definitely think it has its flaws, but overall, I had a great time watching it. Yeah. The, the battle scenes are fantastic. We didn't even really get into a lot of the battle scenes that happened. They're all great. They look great. They're all logical and make sense, and you can tell what's happening on screen and all that kind of stuff, which is. Not something I wish I had to say in modern film making, but it's a real problem for me when I when it's just a blurry bunch of nonsense and some bright lights, and then the last three people are just left standing, and you're like, what the "Fuck happened to everybody else?" Yeah. None of that happens in this movie, which is great. Yeah. yeah, ship fights were awesome. Every one of the physical fights, like I said, they're they're so good. Because yeah. I I will endlessly complain about the fight scenes in the prequels, but these like. They're so good. Every every one of them is awesome. Um, like I said, I, I, other than like I said, the humor can be a little off at times. That's that's a big complaint. I think it's, once again, I feel like it's overstuffed. Like the porgs are just there for jokes. Like, it's joke after pork joke after pork joke after pork joke. But, the, but they're not overwhelming. The porgs, I don't think, are a problem. I'm going to be... I'm going to find myself defending the porgs, I think, a lot. Because <laughs> well, I think they're cute, and they're fun, and they're not... They're, they get two minutes of screen time total. Yeah. 40 porgs. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. And I'm not, I'm not saying that it is the porgs, because I, I think all of the jokes, when taken as themselves, are funny. And and perfectly fine. Like like even the the fish people on the island that she keeps pissing off. It's it's funny. I think the issue is overall whenever you take the full length of the movie and you jam all of those fucking joke mechanisms in that they wanted to have in there, then it gets too much. If if we took the poor jokes and stretched them out over the entire length of the movie and eliminated other jokes, it would be perfectly fine. And I wouldn't bat an eye at it. Fair enough. Yeah, like, uh, no, yeah, you're right. Hmm. 
in the show in the show ducks out of bed. <laughs> you're right you're right about the use of humor in this one movie this is not this is not offset the number of things you've been wrong about over the last like 15 weeks or whatever sweet, sweet victory i am now king of this podcast <laughs> <laughs>